Welcome to Kenny and the Coaches. It's a podcast where I talk with coaches and people associated with Oklahoma high school sports. New episodes come out every Sunday at 10 a.m. on your favorite podcasting site. And on this episode, I have someone that has an impact on a lot of Oklahoma high school student athletes. Here's my conversation with the state director of Oklahoma FCA, Drew Beard. All right, Mr. Beard, thanks for taking time out of your busy summer schedule. I know with, with kids and, and FCA, I know that's uh, it, it's nonstop. So thanks for taking time to visit with me a little bit. Yeah, brother. I'm glad we're able to make this work out. Now, uh, first off, for those that don't know that may be living under a rock, what is FCA? Yeah, so FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, um, most people uh, may know, may not know, but FCA actually originated in Oklahoma, uh, out in eastern Oklahoma, uh, because a coach by the name of Don McClendon, who was coaching basketball out there at the junior college, uh, it started to, to kind of look around and realize that athletes and celebrities were using their influence to promote things. And uh, he thought to himself, why can't athletes uh, and coaches promote Christ? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so Coach McClannan, uh actually wrote a, wrote a note, I think it was to 19 prominent men and women around the country to see if he could get some backing and some endorsement and some encouragement. Uh, you may remember the name Branch Rickey from the movie 42. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it included Jackie yeah. Robinson. Branch Rickey was, I think, maybe one, if not the only gentleman that, that, that contacted Coach McClannan and said, if you can make it to where I'm at, uh, I'll give you five minutes. And I think the story goes that um, five minutes turned into five hours. <laughs> uh, Don McClannan uh, received a check from Branch Rickey uh, to start the Fellowship of Christian Athletes back in 1954. And uh, Don McClannan, before he passed, he uh, he still uh, saw FCA, 50, I think it was like maybe, maybe right at 54, 56 years later, said that FCA is God's, uh, is still God's miraculous dream still being lived out to this day. And so FCA has a great, great history in Oklahoma, the very first FCA camp. Um, taking place in Oklahoma at OU or OSU. I think it was at OSU. The first kind of certified FCA huddle was at the University of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been uh, some amazing, amazing men and women uh, across the state and around the world that have helped launch FCA. FCA actually is now in over 110 countries and has over 3,000 teammates. Wow. Okay. God's really, really blown up FCA. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how important do you believe FCA is to student-athletes? Well, I, I still think what's amazing, uh, Coach, about uh, Coach McClannan's vision years ago of, of this idea of sport um, being used as a platform to share the message of the gospel. I think mm-hmm. anybody would maybe not deny, if they're being honest, would deny that if you see the, the miracles in sport, you see just amazing things happen over and over. I've always been told and encouraged that sport is all about uh, not just the physical, not just the mental, but about the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, the Bible will tell us that, that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, and our strength. Um, first being our heart, uh, second our mind, then our strength. But I think in the world we live in today, championships are so important. We focus solely 
on the strength. And so mm-hmm. I think by doing that, uh, Coach, we actually shortchange our student-athletes by not giving them a mental strategy and a spiritual strategy to develop the full being. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's just my own thought process around it. But I can just say from, from a very practical standpoint, uh, young people today, they want to succeed at things that matter. Mm-hmm. And whenever things don't work out in sport or they don't win that trophy or that ring on the weekend and they're hanging their head and they feel like they failed, uh, there's got to be more to sport than that. And, uh, and, and, and sports always been said that, you know, sport is a great place to teach life lessons. And I agree with that. But one, one coach that I like by the name of Bill Courtney from the movie Undefeated, he said, sport doesn't build character, sport reveals character. Mm-hmm. And so I think for every young person to play a sport, it helps to reveal where they are in their heart and their mind. And it gives coaches and and even athletes, the chance to encourage one another to grow in their faith um, in sport. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about that before we got started, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on how, you know, I talked about, I told you about how I wasn't mentally tough enough to make it uh, as as a college athlete. I mean, that Uh is, I mean, just with any, not even that big of a goal or that big of an accomplishment or or feat or something, whatever you want to call it. I mean, failure, it will, like you said, it will reveal who you are and what you are. Yeah. And I, I don't, yeah. and that's, that's a great point you made about equipping kids with that. Because, I mean, yeah. you can do all the work, you can do all the conditioning, you know, you can do all the mental reps of what you need to do on the field. But when failure comes, how are you going to respond to that? And what do you have to fall back on to deal with that? I, and, you know, and we're talking about, you know, even junior high on up, because it's even a big deal in junior high now. Junior yes. high on up to yep. high school seniors, you know, that's a hard thing. Because mm-hmm. I, I, at 45 years old, sometimes I wonder if I'm mentally tough, mentally and physically and spiritually tough enough to handle yeah. some things that are thrown at me. So, yeah, that yeah. is a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you said, you said it too earlier in the call, Coach, just your own uh, effort to be disciplined and to work things out and it gets harder and harder the older you get but mm-hmm. the fact that the fact that you're in, engaging with it the fact that you know what you need to do um i don't know who said it but it's a great quote the largest gap in the world is is what what we know versus what we do mm-hmm. and we all know what to do the question is are we going to do it and uh to your point you know you're out there doing it and so it's a model it's, a, it's an example mm-hmm. um for you know, for your student athletes, for those around you, for your family, and so it's a, it's a great thing to still stay engaged, as you called it, the mental mental side of the game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, as a student, when you were a student athlete, how did you become involved in FCA? Man, I had a coach by the name of Mike Fitz. Mike Fitz mm-hmm. is living in Duncan, Oklahoma, right now, and uh, I was just telling the story this morning to a gentleman at breakfast, but. Coach Fitz looked at me and he said, hey, Drew, you've got influence and you're an athlete and you should come and be involved in FCA. <laughs> and I remember thinking, okay, coach, I appreciate that. Uh, don't really know what that means, but hey, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, being, being a young sixth grader. But uh, he did invite me and my brother and others to an FCA huddle on a Wednesday night after a church. And I remember being a part of that huddle, playing some of the silly games and looking at who was in the room. I saw, you know, I saw the athletes at the high school that I looked up to Mm -hmm. and I saw them leading and I saw them with Bibles in their hand and I saw them 
uh, sharing stories, you know, Bible verses that they were trying to learn. And, and I just watched their lives and, and continue to show up because I said, man, that's what I want to do one day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to be in, you know, obviously in the NFL or NBA or MLB. Yeah. Now my aspiration is, is PGA Tour, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't practice enough, so I'll probably never get there. But, I hear you. Uh, but, uh, but I just saw them, you know, living that out. I saw my coach uh, coach differently. I watched him live differently. And, man, it was just an inspiration to me to think that here's something that I see in my home, my mom and my dad. You know, I see on the weekends and during the week we're at church. Mm-hmm. I'm learning more about God and realizing that, hey, when I, when I say something or when I do something as an athlete, people watch. Mm-hmm. And so I got just a small taste of what it looked like to have influence and to use it. Yeah. Uh, for something that, that I felt was good. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how did you become involved in the professional aspect of it? Because I mean, you're the you're the yeah. state director now, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a that, you're the head honcho. So, <laughs> how did you uh, how did you get involved in that in the professional aspect of it? Well, you know, I would just say that FCA is truly a calling on our life. Mm-hmm. FCA is a ministry. Uh, my my three year old asked me the other day, "Are you going to your job?" And I said, "You know, Ben, um, I feel like I get to live out of calling." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was probably in college when uh, my best friend and I and some other of our friends were were hosting and running our FCA huddle there at Southeastern. And man, we just started just doing things that we felt like would would help reach other athletes on our teams uh, there on campus and. We got to travel around the, the state quite a bit and speak and share our testimony, which again goes back to how FCA originated. Uh, there mm-hmm. were people around the uh, state that would put athletes and coaches on airplanes and fly them to different places around the state to speak. Um, uh, one story that I always remember, uh, our former state director, John O'Dell, used to tell a story about his dad, Faye, who was a coach up in Cushing, mm-hmm. and uh, how Faye would, would jump on a plane with with somebody and they fly him all over the all over the place mm. to go and share his testimony about about his faith in Christ and wow. and so we started you know we would we would I remember my I guess it was my sophomore year maybe my junior year my mom and dad met us in Ada we finished the game and JT and I Jeremy Timms he's on mm-hmm. staff with FCA as well I remember him uh, yep. <laughs> yeah yeah we jumped yep. in my car and drove somewhere on a Saturday evening after my game and uh, got to go and, and share our testimony uh, with a couple of uh, huddles and events. And so uh, we just really saw ministry as a calling in our life and thought, man, if we can do Jesus and sport, is there a better, is there a better calling? You know, <laughs> yeah. we, we love the church. We're, we're engaged at the church. We're involved in the church, love foreign missions, love what God's doing around the world. But uh, man, you know, sporting Jesus. And so, uh, JT actually went to work for FCA right out of college, mm-hmm. and at the time, uh, I gra- I was getting ready to graduate, and I knew I wanted to be in ministry, but also thought, man, I want to want to coach some college football. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can minister while I'm a coach, and that didn't work out. But I went to be a high school coach in Lone Grove, and uh, after about a year of doing that, the local FCA area director Randy Kendricks called and said, Drew, let's go to lunch. And he told me that he was he was moving out to the Midland Odessa area to take a to pastor job and and so he said hey you should become the FCA staff guy. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, I had just gotten orders that that our unit was going to be deployed to Iraq, and so um, I thought to myself, man, I would love to work with FCA. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so Randy took me to meet John O'Dell. John O'Dell took me to Johnny's Burger and uh, got to know me a little bit, asked some questions, and uh, called me soon after and offered me a job. And, of course, he knew I was on my way to Iraq. And so Kent Bowles, Randy Kendricks, a local board in the South Central Ardmore area, for a year kind of maintained the ministry for me. And mm-hmm. when I got home, was able to jump in and, and get after it. And so that's how my, my, my time with FCA started. I've served in uh, various capacities with FCA. I've been an area representative and area director. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the last six years, I was, or last five years, I was the regional vice president of FCA, meaning that I served and led Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, and we were connected to 20 countries in West Africa. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, and back in December uh, or November, uh, the state director Mark Heron was ready to to step aside and, and hang it up, and and so uh, he just looked at me and he said, "Hey, you should you should take this job." And I was thinking about three more years from now, I would step away from the regional role. But as I prayed and talked to my wife and my family, it became very clear that it was time for me to to stay closer to home. And uh, so I feel very very honored. Uh, honestly, to to serve in this capacity, it wasn't on my radar, yeah. and didn't think this was where I would be. But um, but God's made it clear, and I'm so so honored. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how that happens, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, saying it's not on your time; it's always on His yes. time. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Now, now, of the activities that FCA does, I mean, there's a lot of them out there. You can go over them all of them if you want to. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know you guys do have things for like coaches and for summer yep. camps for kids. Which one is probably your personal favorite to be involved with? Yes, uh, great question. My favorite thing to do in FCA is is time with coaches. Hmm. Um, we do, you know, everywhere I've been, we've had a coaches huddle of some sorts, and I I love the, the huddle with coaches. For one, coaches mm-hmm. don't really ever have a safe space uh, to be open uh, with what's going on in their heart and their mind mm-hmm. and not be used against them. And so mm-hmm. I love that time uh, to support a coach, to pray with a coach, to, you know, let them speak openly and for us to just encourage them in the good and in the ugly is such a beautiful time. Uh, we have a coach and spouse retreat every year. This summer it's July 14, 15, and 16 in Norman, Oklahoma, encourage all coaches and spouses to come it's 150 dollars uh for the weekend uh we give you a place to stay we feed you a couple times we bring in great communicators and encourage our coaches and in, in aspects of their life uh so that is a phenomenal time and i'd encourage anybody okfca.org and go check that out uh you can find us on the social media sites as well mm-hmm. the other thing that i love about oklahoma fca is the history of our camp ministry Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, uh, one of the first camps ever in FCA started up at OSU. We've had camps at OU. We've had camps in local high schools and middle schools all around the state. But for the last 30-plus years, Oklahoma FCA has been doing a leadership camp. We call it Extreme Camp at Cross Point mm-hmm. Methodist Camp in Kingston, Oklahoma. And uh, funny story, Coach, when I first started going and, and recruiting coaches to encourage their kids to come to camp, they would tell me things like, oh, we've got – We've got workouts, and the kids don't want to miss, and we've got, you know, uh, this thing planned for our kids. And mm-hmm. and uh, being a young guy that was a coach for a little while, but just having just enough confidence that if a kid showed up to our camp, they would return in better shape physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so I would say back to coaches, Coach, you give me three days with your kid, 
and I bet they come back stronger in every area of their life, as well as their ability to lead on your team. Mm-hmm. And so I would just, I would say, hey, see it as an investment. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, they may not, you know, get the 100% attendance award or this, that, and the other, but but I can promise you, Coach, this is going to be something that's going to benefit your player. It's going to give you a better teammate and better leader on your team. And, mm-hmm. and I remember some coaches looking at me like I'm crazy, yeah. but I just thought, you know what, hey, I'm going to go for it, and I'll be danged if if we didn't see that happen over and over and over at our extreme camp. And so mm-hmm. you get to learn how to rappel off cliffs, rappel, rappel off towers. We do low ropes, which teaches them little skills, little skill sets mm-hmm. uh, that they can use uh, for team-building activities there on their teams. Uh, we let them have a lot of fun out on the water. They get to learn to shoot guns and uh, bows and arrows and, and that's just the fun stuff, you know, that they get to do. They also get led by a college athlete, male or female, uh, for four days. They get to sit under the, the leadership of, a, of an older male athlete or female athlete and learn their experiences and what their high school time was like and what college is like. And so they get to hear that. And then really the best part of it all mm-hmm. is they get to sit amongst their peers from all over the state and they get to be engaged with God's word. They get to open their Bibles together. They get to pray together. They get to compete against one another. And they look each other in the eye and say, hey, way to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's not a trophy at the end of the night. There's not a medal that they're competing for. They're literally just getting to compete as leaders. And uh, I'll tell you what, Coach, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things to see uh, at our camp. And so I encourage mm-hmm. every high school age kid, 15 to 18, to consider extreme camp. Yeah. Uh, we're launching our junior high camp this summer. It's called Competitors Camp. Uh, COVID shut us down a few years ago, but we're back up and running. We're going to host that at East Central University this summer, and that the dates for that are going to be July or June 25th or the 28th. We're excited to gather our junior high age athletes and begin to prep them physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally uh, for this upcoming year as well. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Now let's kind of let's kind of shift gears a little bit to your uh, to your playing days. I mean, you're a fellow southeastern alumni. I won't go over the the mascot change and all. Hey, that. we're the savages, baby. I, okay, thank Stay you. Proudly. For, Stay proudly. Yeah, thank you for saying that because I <laughs> I cannot buy southeastern apparel right now. I just I can't I can't do it. If I can find some throwback stuff, then yeah, I'll, I'll buy it. Hey, we're blue and gold through and through, brother. <laughs> I mean, you you played quarterback at a high level. You're a Southeastern Hall of Famer. What, what's one of the more or or multiple uh, memorable moments from your college days? You know what? I'll start my uh, true freshman year. Uh, forgive me for not knowing much, but when I showed up to Southeastern, I was one of ten quarterbacks on the roster. Mm-hmm. Going into the spring, I was one of two. there was a senior and then myself and then uh in walked in four junior college quarterbacks um six two six two six four uh six foot they've all played you know junior college ball and Mm -hmm. then i look at them i'm like who are these guys and where did they come from (laughs) i had no clue about a junior college transfer you know and uh i remember going through uh, the prep uh, of spring ball before we started spring ball we did some interviews and meetings with our coaches and coach baxter who was our uh new uh new head football coach morris sloan had, had gotten a win the year before and became the winningest coach at southeastern and 
Coach Baxter was taking over. And I remember sitting in his office, and I was a pretty strong competitor then, but I was a little bit just kind of frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know why. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember saying, hey, Coach, why, why did these guys come in, you know? And uh, I remember two things he said. The first thing he said is, here at Southeastern, we're going to have a sense of urgency at every position, <laughs> meaning every day you're going to have to go out and compete for mm-hmm. your job. And then uh, the second thing he said to me, which is probably probably one of, if not the most memorable moments for me, was he looked at me and he said, hey, we recruited you here uh, because we believe in you. And if you do what you've always done, you'll eventually rise to the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, wow. That's, that's... Other than other than Coach Tunnel, Coach Foster, Coach McKay, you know, Coach Stewart, Coach Fitz, those guys in my in my high school and and uh, junior high days, although they filled me with great courage and encouragement, mm-hmm. at that point in my life, I'd never really seen myself not playing sports, mm-hmm. and so it came at a time that really really meant a lot to me. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember going out that spring and busting my tail, working every day, trying to learn, trying to serve, trying to encourage. And at the end of the spring, I was number two on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. And uh, although that's not where I wanted to be, I certainly felt like, okay, I responded the way I was supposed to respond. And so that was a great, great memory. Mm-hmm. Um, another great memory uh, is is probably there were there were there were times in each season where it just seemed like we didn't know ultimately how good we could be or how good we we might be Mm -hmm. but it seemed like for two years or three years after that uco would come into town or we'd go up there and for whatever reason they'd be ranked really high and we would be barely peaking in the top 25 Mm -hmm. and we would just drum them yeah uh, i remember those were fun fun games fun memories uh not just because it was uco but just because of where they were ranked Mm -hmm. you know yeah Um, we just we felt a little bit under uh, under uh, respected, but at the same time, UCO is a great tradition school with great history, and so it makes sense looking back, you know, why mm-hmm. they were getting that recognition. But um, those were some great memories. But I'll tell you what, watching uh, watching Southeastern transform under Coach Baxter's leadership, um, I remember walking out of the the first team meeting that Coach Coach Baxter held and. He told us, he said, we got one rule we're going to do right. And he said, we're going to do it with one one strategy. We're going to fight the fight. We're going to finish the race. We're going to keep the faith. Mm. As a young dude trying to figure out what that meant, mm-hmm. I just, every day I was in there thinking, okay, hey, let's go fight the fight today. Yeah. Let's go finish the race. Let's go keep the faith. Mm-hmm. And if that, if anytime I sign something or email or text, almost always I put that on there. And, mm-hmm. and not because... It sounds good, uh, mm-hmm. but because it truly has been the fabric of my life. Yeah. And uh, the fact that it came from God's word and it came from his truth and it came from this picture of of Paul pouring out his life into Timothy, I feel like that's what Coach Baxter did for us. And so I could never, uh, never repay him. Uh, in fact, he's, he's so impactful on my life. He and his wife carried a baby nine months and lost the baby. And they were going to name him Bo, mm-hmm. and uh, that became my child's first, my first child's name in mm-hmm. honor of, of, of Keith and Teeny Baxter, and the way mm-hmm. they loved me and cared for me, and, and uh, still do to this day. Yeah, man, that's big to have someone 
You know, I, I think that coaches at the high school level, I think we, we have impacts on kids because, I mean, you know, they'll come back after they've graduated. And usually, like, at graduate, we had graduation a couple of weeks ago. You know, a couple of kids that had graduated played football for us. You know, yep. they come up and, and love on us, you know. And I, but, but going, having that kind of person at the college level, when, you know, like as a, as a player, you go up there with no, you know, you have all your friends here in high school. And then when you go to college, there's nobody yep. you know. Everybody's trying to take your job and it's just cutthroat. Having that, those words like that from someone when you're that age, I, I can imagine that would have been, that, that's huge. Yep. You know, just, yep. just, just someone saying basically do your best. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You yeah. Know, and when most of the time, I, I I think probably a lot of other places at the college level are just like they'll tell you whatever they think you want to hear, not what you it's need a, to hear. You know, it's a different world today, man. I mean, it is. You know, what I'm saying it's a different world, and and I think it's just more out front all the time now today. You know, the recruiting process, or mm. you know, there's there's high school coaches that still have to recruit their own kids. Absolutely. They yeah. play high school, and so <laughs> yeah. it's a it's an important thing for coaches to have strategies to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think it's it's a critical piece of the puzzle. But but just as you said, if, if you're called, if you carry the title coach, mm-hmm. uh, we define it, you know, through the 360 training that says, you know, a coach is someone who takes a person of importance from where they are to where they want to be when they don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. And although I wanted to be in the NFL or NBA. Uh, the coaches, they weren't necessarily consumed with my dreams as a child. Mm-hmm. They were concerned about where I was going to be as a man, as a father. Yeah. And and I think that's the example that the, the high school coaches, junior high coaches get to start to set. Mm-hmm. These kids don't even know where they want to go. You no. know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And so, so any words of encouragement that a coach speaks into the heart of a, of a player is is gold mm-hmm. and they may not turn into gold you know early in in their life but once they hit a a tough patch in, in life and look back to see who was there for them man that's that's where that stuff starts to shine on their life yeah now being a, a person of faith and, and knowing the types of things that are said and done out on the football field how uh-huh. hard was it for you as a young man to stand on that faith well that's a that's funny um <laughs> I, I, I tell you a story that goes back to eighth grade, and then I'll, I'll push forward uh, mm-hmm. from there quickly. Um, in eighth grade, I remember we were getting ready to play Apache, and uh, that week we put in a play, uh, G77 screen pass. And uh, <laughs> quarterback and I, quarterback and running back, we had a roll, or quarterback would roll to the right like we would on 36 rollout or 36 sprint out. And our left tackle, left guard, center would roll out to the left. I'd turn and throw it to the running back, and we'd screen and, you know, go score score a touchdown mm-hmm. or gain some yards or whatever. Uh, in the game, we had worked on it all week, and I felt good about it. Well, I noticed our left tackle didn't go and do his job, and I let some words come out of my mouth that I should never have said. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time in my life, you know, cussing was kind of a cool thing. You know, people mm-hmm. started getting some words they shouldn't use. Well, I remember saying some bad words and a flag gets thrown out in front of me. And I thought, huh, I wonder what that flag's for. <laughs> that, um, that official looked at me and said, go tell your coach what you said. Mm. And uh, I could not muster up the courage <laughs> to tell my coach what I said. So I lied to my coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, about, oh, I guess about 10 years ago, I was sitting uh, watching uh, Rush Springs Redskins practice. And Coach Barry Foster, who had retired, was sitting there watching his son Kyle practice. 
And I said, hey, Coach Foster, I got a confession to make. And uh, and I told him the story. And he looked at me and said, there's no way you said that. And I said, Coach, I'm sorry. I did. <laughs> I let him But it was in that moment and from that point forward where I did everything in my power to strive to be an encourager on the field, no matter what, with my words, with my actions. Uh, never was perfect at it. But I can honestly say that uh, realizing uh, how important it was to have God's word in my heart, mm-hmm. to, to, to take my mom's advice to say, you know, you should read your Bible every day. I wish I could say I read it every day. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to know that, that I was put on that earth at an early age to bring glory to him really, really, really helped me as a young athlete realize that I'm playing for something so much more than a state championship or a conference championship or or you name it. Mm-hmm. And so I think for young people today, what you put in is what's going to come out. Uh, I always, I, I'm not critical of coaches when it comes to music because music is a great motivator. But sometimes the music I hear in locker rooms today are things that I, I would not allow my son to listen to, mm-hmm. things that my parents tried to keep me from listening to. Uh, because uh, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, mm-hmm. uh, the body responds, the mind reacts. And so uh, wanting and desiring to play at a high level, that mental side and that spiritual side, we've got to put in as much training as we can there, just as much as we do physical. Yeah. Um, and so that, especially in college, you know, I'll tell you one more story and then I'll shut up. No, you're good. You're good. Um, we were playing UCO and it was the mud bowl. And uh, UCO's last year of having grass on their field, I think we were like the fourth game that week or something, and it was rainy and wet. And I remember it was fourth and short. The score was seven to six, and we're going in the towards the north end zone. And all we really needed was a first down to kind of ice the game. And uh, my my natural response in college, uh, if I got tackled and somebody had something to say to me or they wanted to push me or punch me or whatever under the pile. My natural response, hey, man, God loves you, brother. God loves you. Just keep it simple. Yeah. Not trying to, not trying to convict. Just say, hey, God loves you, man, no matter what. And uh, I remember being at the bottom of this huddle. We had just got a fourth and one uh, converted to a first down. The game's going to be over. And I'm getting, you know, you name it. It yeah. happened to me at the bottom of this pile. And I just look at this young young athlete across from me, great competitor, and I just say, man, hey, God loves you, brother, no matter what. Keep your head up. And, uh, you know, that was it. I was very common. Mm-hmm. That spring, um, some recruits are on campus, and I'm walking with one of the quarterback recruits, and he says, man, I'm glad I found you. i gotta, I got to tell you a story. And uh, I said, okay, what's up? He goes, I was at UCO last week, and uh, – they were taking me around. They were telling me stories. And I told them I was coming to Southeastern. And they said, man, I don't know what's up with that Drew Beard guy. But <laughs> I was cussing him and punching him and everything I could under that pile. And all he wanted to tell me is how much God loved me. <laughs> and uh, and that, that, that quarterback recruit, he said, he goes, so that's why I'm excited to be here. And that's probably why I'm more likely going to end up at Southeastern. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you never know oh, yeah. what God's going to use to encourage someone or or do that and looking back at that little you know remark that hey god loves you no matter what like i just think you know i don't know where that where i got that from i don't know where that came from i just kept telling myself as an athlete 
it's not really about that touchdown I scored. It's not really about the pass I threw or that catch that, you know, one of my teammates made or that kick we made to win the game. It really is about the fact that God loves us. He cares enough about us to give us the ability to play the game uh, that we love. And so let's just go do it. Let's go do it, you know, and, and try to keep everything else out of it. And I think that's where a place like FCA is so relevant in today's world is it gives pers- we give perspective to to what's going on in these young people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we do it in, a, in something that's going to last forever, right? Eternity. So, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. That, that'd be my stories, man, uh, <laughs> around that. All right. All right. I've kept you on here long enough, man, but I got one final question for you. I always okay. try to throw something at people that has to make them think a little bit or kind of put okay. them on the spot. Okay. Who is the best beard to come out of Rush Springs? <laughs> man. <laughs> That's funny. Outside of my mom being a beard, you know, yeah. uh, I would say that the the Daily Oklahoman years ago uh, came out with the best player from each school. Okay. And uh, I don't remember what year it was or what it was, but I remember walking. I was coaching at Lone Grove at the time, so it had to be 2007, 2008, something like that, 2007. And Tim, my cousin Tim, was in there, and he was a phenomenal athlete as well. My mm-hmm. brother was probably the best, if I'm being honest, the best. Uh, but the day that Oklahoma etched it in, in writing that Drew uh, Beard was the best beard to come out of Fresh Springs. Oh, and so man. I remember walking in, and Tim and Red and those guys were giving Tim a hard time, and I didn't <laughs> know what was going on. But but uh, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that that there's there's more to come and. There's going to be better. I know we definitely – there's a lot of great athletes out of Rush Springs, but I'd I like to tell Tim that if the Daily Oklahoman said it, it must be true. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, next time <laughs> I see him, I'm going to have to ask him about that. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> that'll be good. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Drew, thanks for, for doing this. And, man, it's uh, it's been fun talking with you. And, you know, continue doing what you're doing. That's going to be good yeah, enough. Bro. <laughs> yeah, you do the same. I really appreciate the time. Like I said, I've listened to a couple of your your conversations, and you said it's been great for you. Well, it, it really is great for for sport and Oklahoma sports and coaches and athletes. And so I appreciate you you taking the time and, and making this happen, brother. Thanks to Mr. Beard for being on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. A new episode of Kenny and the Coaches comes out next Sunday at 10 a.m. with Guthrie Girls basketball coach Brett Clark. And don't forget that Not So Instant Replay starts Wednesday, July 5th. It's going to be replays of past episodes of Kenny and the Coaches, and the first one will be with Central High Bronco head basketball coach Kenny Magoo. You can also find links to the podcast on the Kenny and the Coaches Facebook page. And if you're on Twitter, just search at Kenny Coaches. And remember, that's K-E-N-N-E-Y and the Coaches. Until next time.